Welcome to the UC Berkeley Data Science Education Podcast. We're happy you're listening in today. In this space, you'll hear from a variety of distinguished data science educators and professionals. The individuals we'll speak with are diverse in experience and perspective, but share the common goal of shaping the future of data science education. Our idea is to have some informal conversations with the goal of creating community and let people hear from practitioners in this growing new field. My name is Eric Van Dusen from Data Science Undergraduate Studies in the Division of Computing, Data Science, and Society at UC Berkeley, and I'll be leading our conversation today. And my name is Harry Lee, also from Data Science Undergraduate Studies. I'm working as an intern with the division's external pedagogy team, and I'll be helping out today too. Hi, everyone. Today, we're excited to be talking with Byron Chu. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Can you introduce yourself and let us know where you're working? Sure. My name is Byron Chu. I'm a project manager and data scientist at Callisto, which is a project which is run by uh, Sibera and the Pacific Institute for the Mathematical Sciences. I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and um, the company I work for kind of serves the province of Alberta, and so we're kind of focused on Alberta, Canada, um, but the Callisto project is national in nature. Could you give us an introduction on how you got into data science education and what you're currently working on in this area? Sure. I've been sort of tangentially involved in data science education um, at first, but then uh, through the Callisto project, definitely got more involved with data science education. So a little bit of background. Sibera's had a data science team kind of around since 2015, 2016. And through that, we did a lot of outreach and educational workshops. Um, so Sibera is a, a nonprofit organization as well. And we serve the public sector organizations in Alberta. And through that, we connect with a lot of post-secondaries and a lot of K-12 organizations. And we'd host these workshops or we'd work directly with these organizations. Um, and they were really interested in, in trying to figure out what data science is and what to do with data science and how they could potentially um, use it in their organizations and also um, really towards, you know, decision, like data-driven decision-making and policy-making. And what are you currently doing with Callisto? Yeah, so from those beginnings, we kind of uh, took that mindset um, and we also started talking and working with the Pacific Institute for the Mathematical Sciences and they have a project called Syzygy where they were bringing, you know, Jupyter Hub environments to different post-secondary locations uh, throughout Canada. And we started talking and realized, we realized, you know, there's a, an opportunity to maybe extend beyond post-secondary um, and think about, you know, K to 20. So if we can bring um, similar type computing infrastructure and resources to the younger grades, then maybe um, there's something really innovative that we can do here and we can we can kind of see where it goes like we're happy to kind of you know be a bridge across those uh, technology chasms and we oftentimes say well you know you can use our backs as the bridge and so we were thinking we would dive in here first uh, we might take our lumps and kind of see where we go but that was the idea behind the callisto project and that really actually i guess drove my i guess you know drove my interest and also my uh, level of engagement with the data science education side of things when I see Callisto, I see uh, you bringing different people in to make really awesome content. Uh, how do you bring those people into the project? 
Yeah, there's an interesting collaboration, like I mentioned, with the Pacific Institute for Mathematical Sciences. So they are a group of math professors located in Western Canada across different Western Canadian post-secondary institutions, and they have different uh, site coordinators at these locations. And so the first iteration of the project, we actually engaged many of those site coordinators, and they would recruit you know, grad students or ent- other interested parties to, to be involved in the project, and they would help to develop um, different content uh, that we'd eventually release to the public. Um, and so we use that kind of model. Um, and one thing I think we realized pretty quickly was we also need to really, you know, grad students are great, but we also need to bring in teachers if we're going to try to really connect with teachers. So um, that was something we, we definitely developed as we went along. Great. Uh, could you mention a challenge you faced while building Callisto? Yeah, I mean, that's, I kind of alluded to a challenge here. So having grad students develop content is a really, you know, a really, I guess, interesting and sustainable model. But uh, one challenge is really making sure that they remember who the audience is that they're developing content for. So something that might be really you know, maybe a basic concept or base, basic math concept that they want to get across might be really easy for them to write a notebook on. But, you know, how do you write that notebook for someone in grade five? And how do you make sure that the language and, you know, the learning outcomes that you're trying to connect here, um, a teacher can also understand and connect with and actually use in their classroom effectively and not sort of as a one-off activity? Yeah, that's super interesting. Um and this is a bit of a broader question, but I did want to ask, um, like, what do you see as the future for data science education as a whole? And then how do you think it's going to continue to evolve? How do you see that process going? Yeah, that's a great question as well. So it also makes me think of another sort of challenge we've had on the project and sort of the evolution of where I think we need to go. So one major challenge that we've had is really um, it's not that we don't get teachers interested uh, in what we're doing. It's not that we don't get teachers, you know, coming out to our workshops, uh, trying out our content. It's how do you get teachers to the point where they can actually create their own content or adapt and comfortably adapt or remix their content um, for their own classrooms and their local environments. And that's really, you know, the overall sort of end goal of what we're really hoping Callisto kind of leads to is like creating a bunch or, you know, I guess, accelerating a bunch of these teachers to become creators of content for their classrooms. And so how do you get there? And I think, you know, there's a lot of challenges associated with how you get there. And also maybe that's also what leads to the future of sort of data science education at the younger grades as well. So, uh, for example, you know, a lot of the teachers that first adopt um, a lot of the content that we use or try a lot of the content that we use are those with very strong technology backgrounds. And oftentimes that's, you know, kind of far and few in terms of like teachers, um, the number of teachers that can actually do that. So how do you get, you know, more teachers and not just computer science teachers and not just math teachers involved in this? And so I think, you know, the future of data science education is really um, involves a lot of training, to be honest, involves a lot of like cross-curricular training. So getting people trained not you know with their own time they're not going to be spending just their own time like in the evenings or on the weekends kind of like trying to fill those gaps but actually like it goes back to i think training even as they're becoming teachers 
Um, so digital training is a huge thing. So not just data science training, just digital training in general. Um, there are things around copyright that, you know, it's not really something that they, not all teachers necessarily have the really strong understanding of what is copyright, you know, how does it impact me? What is open source? What is What are these different sort of public licenses and how can I use and when can I use this content? And that is a really important thing that they need to understand and something that we kind of took for granted as well when we started this project. We thought it would be um, kind of an inherent thing, but actually, you know, they're not necessarily have, they don't, aren't necessarily provided that training um, as they're going through their sort of pre-service kind of teaching experiences. So I think really the future of data science is um, going to be like creating these really strong professional learning networks of teachers um, that allows them to interact with each other and learn with each other and develop that confidence that they need to really be able to create something useful for the class with, you know, a lot of the interactive computing type tools that we can provide. And how you get there, I think it involves a lot of, um, you know, work with these faculties of education at post-secondary institutions, involves, you know, working with teachers and their teacher unions and also like the ministries of education or the the equivalent in the in the states. So I think that's kind of the future is like creating these really um, invested uh, learning communities and open learning communities as well. Because another sort of like huge area, which I think is kind of like underserved right now is for amongst teachers, is sort of the open educational resource side of things just in general. So um, getting more of an understanding of that, more of a training in, in that area as well is going to be, um, I think, really beneficial in the long run. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, you just touched upon it a lot, actually, but is there any is there anything else you'd like to say about like what we as data scientists and as educators should be doing to continue uh, to be creating and evolving these communities around data science education, that is? Yeah, I think um, definitely as a like as a practicing data scientist as well, like we take a lot of things for granted as data scientists. So things that we do as experts um, don't, how do you translate that into uh, like beginner type activities, like intermediate type activities um, for students? Like that's a huge challenge for someone to kind of pick apart and really dissect what they're doing and make it understandable so that, you know, students can learn and pick it up even at a younger age. Um, sometimes we take, uh, oftentimes I think we take that for granted and we just assume, oh, it's obvious what I'm doing. Like someone can follow, follow me and kind of pick that up as they go. But actually like, you know, not everyone can do that. And maybe someone just needs a bit of a helping hand to get past this one little hurdle. Um, so we need to really dissect a lot of what we do. Um, and I think what's really interesting is that a lot of what we do is really cross-curricular in nature. And that was one of the goals of the Callista project at the beginning was how do we get, you know, interesting computational thinking and data science resources or data literacy resources into the hands of teachers regardless of what they teach. So um, English teachers, you know, social, like generally social science teachers, like how do we do that and how do we make them really interested in actually be able to show them what they can do with these things. So um, that's, yeah, that's really part of the challenge of what we're 
facing. And I think that's where we also need to, to invest more time and just really dissecting, you know, how we do things and, and really sharing that information out there. Uh, on that note, do you have any favorite uh, topics from Callisto? Like, I mean, so the challenge is like, if I want to make data science lessons for K-12, I need to pick like a, a topic to, to embed it in. Do you have any favorites? I can tell you what we've tried. Um, and there's a few things that like are more eye-catching, but um, not necessarily clear how teachers will use it. For example, one of the first notebooks we created was something called like Shakespeare and Statistics. And it uses a little bit of natural language processing to, 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 to understand like parts of speech. Um, so then you, that's great. Like we can apply, you know, we can grab open Shakespeare text, um, turn that into like different parts of speech, plot that out on a histogram or something, and voila, we have something. But is that like something an English teacher would use or a math teacher would use? Well, kind of in between, right? So you have an English teacher really interested in, oh, I'd love to understand sort of how, you know, what's the, what's the noun usage or verb usage by Shakespeare or, you know, another author. I want to compare the two. But then really, is it something they do in English class or is it math class? So it's really kind of tricky. Um, and so another example of sort of what we've come across recently is we had a social science teacher. We have a social science teacher, uh, Dr. Verena Robert, Roberts, um, working on our team right now. And she teaches a social science class um, for junior high students. And they were talking about ethics and bias. And so she, because she worked on our project, she started to make these connections of, oh, maybe I can talk about, you know, AI-related ethics. Uh, maybe I can talk about, you know, a data journalism type, type topic when I'm talking about data sets and how do you choose a data set and what's like, you know, a, an appropriate or like a, a source that you can trust for a data set, things like that. And so there's a lot of different um, topics, which I think related to data science that actually apply cross-curricular, but we haven't really fully kind of solidified what those connections are and uh, make it really clear. Like sometimes I think the teachers themselves are kind of discovering these connections. So we really need to engage with them as well to, to identify it. Because I think, you know, we come in as experts from one area, but we don't necessarily see all the connections that they see on an everyday basis. So um, I think this is what you're just touching on, but like, what are good ways to do outreach and connect with high school teachers? Like maybe Callisto is sitting in a university, but we, how do you find teachers who are sort of willing to engage, willing to try something new? Uh, that's a great question. And I think oftentimes you don't quite know what's going to work until you try it. Um, so one of the first sessions we ever did uh, as a collaboration between Cyber and PIMS was a talk given by uh, James Collander, uh, the director of PIMS, and my colleague or former colleague, uh, David Chen. And so they gave a talk at a technology conference for Alberta educators. And I think only like five people showed up to that talk. Um, but one of the people that showed up to it was a teacher named David Hay. And he became really interested in what we were doing. And he actually went ahead and created his own content. And eventually, um, we recruited him to work on our project because he's such a strong sort of advocate and um, kind of a nice example of what, uh, what you know, a teacher who's really kind of curious could do with some of these notebooks. And he likes to use it with his like grade four and grade five classes as well. So it's it's really kind of interesting. Um, and so we've done a lot of teacher conferences. Um, so teacher conferences are a really big thing here in the province of Alberta, but I think nationally as well and across different provinces. And so that's been a really nice way to connect 
uh, with teachers. Um, for example, we've also done really large talks through the Canadian Math Society. Uh, so our former, one, a former Clisto ambassador, Richard Hashino, um, who's at Northwestern now, he, he gave a talk um, at the Canadian Math Society, and that really cut the eye of a lot of sort of math educators across the country. Uh, so those kind of forums work pretty well. Um, what we've seen more recently is kind of an interesting um, maybe phenomenon because of COVID potentially and because of, you know, the shift or the dramatic, dramatic and drastic kind of shift to uh, online learning is uh, we found that like, you know, things like hackathons seem to be catching a lot of attention uh, amongst educators as a tool to really, you know, engage and dive deep um, with students on something that they may not typically do uh, in their classroom. So we've been um, working to develop a guide, a hackathon guide. So uh, Dr. Verena Roberts worked on that and a former um, communication specialist, Casey Knoll, uh, on the Cluster team worked on that and they developed a hack hackathon guide and we shared that out. Um, so that's something that we found has been gathering a lot of attention and we're planning on running a couple of coming hackathons as well with some uh, interested junior high teachers. So like. Um, it's not just, you know, the, the high school teachers who are actually kind of engaging with us. It's actually a lot of the, the junior high and actually even younger teachers as well. Like we had a, a grade four teacher re reach out to us and say, oh, can my students participate in this hackathon? And we're like, um, we'd love to. Like, I think it's still like the reading and writing comprehension of working with Python might be still a little bit too hard for grade fours. But like, I definitely think some can do it, but it's just in generally speaking, like we're getting a lot of interest from um, teachers who teach at younger grades. Um, and I think that's really exciting. And I think that bodes well for really the future of data science education as well. Nice. That's great. Um, so my last question is uh, just a, a commenting on what do you think the future is for shared infrastructure, whether in Callisto or Cybera, uh, do you think it will become easier for institutions to handle their own infrastructure or sort of what, how do you see this unraveling in the future? Yeah, great question. And I had to do a little bit of thinking um, sort of about this as well. And one analogy I can maybe draw upon is something related to the organization I work for. Um, so Cybera is a, a nonprofit organization, as I, as I mentioned, um, but we also run the we manage and operate the research and education network for the province of Alberta. And so that is connected to sort of the global research and education network. And in the U.S. there are things like Internet2 um, and other organizations like that and ESNet, I believe, that are connected to it. So um, one of the things that we always advocate strongly about is really shared uh, networks. So, uh, for example, um, the uh, province of Alberta invested, you know, 20 odd years ago in and building something called the Alberta Supernet. And they thought that would be a major advantage to the province by having all the public sector organizations uh, connected to this provincial-wide network. Um, and that is a really great model, and we think that you know that has a lot of benefits. Um, but what is tricky is when you have this shared infrastructure and you want to invite people to use that infrastructure, and they're not necessarily used, used to um, sharing infrastructure. So, for example, if you get big telecommunications players coming in. They want to own the infrastructure. They want to have that infrastructure. They don't want to use infrastructure that someone else has built kind of thing. Um, but we've always advocated for, you know, using what's there. You don't need to double build. You don't need to 
uh, like there's an opportunity to really share all of this and really take advantage of all of this. Um, and we think that's the model going forward as well. Um, there's room for both, but you know, there's no, there should be like a willingness to share and, and be connected and be open. Um, so I think really that is probably my best answer for the future of shared infrastructure is that we have to really advocate and we kind of have to meet those challenges. We can't kind of back down from those challenges and we have to advocate for what we think is right. And I think in a lot of cases, you know, um, the right thing to do is really to think about sharing and not necessarily closing off our walls, but actually opening them up. Great. Great. Thank you. Um, uh, did you, anything you want to say to wrap up or any, any final comments you might have had? Um, I don't think I have any really final comments. I think, um, you know, we've done a lot of, we've we, in the last, I guess, three or four years, we've put a lot of effort into to kind of sharing Callisto out uh, nationally. Um, but, you know, we're still making kind of baby steps, to be totally honest. Like, there are a lot of organizations, I think, um, who are interested in this space as well. So I think having not only the teachers developing those professional learning networks, like we definitely want to connect with them through there, but we also want to create um, a network of organizations who are involved in this space in Canada and really connect them and bring everyone together and see what we can do uh, in this space. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there and I don't think we're there yet, but that's definitely something that's on our radar and that we'd like to, to pursue in the future. Great. I mean, we'd definitely be interested in, in having conversations and collaborating as we figure out how, you know, to, to work with the K-12 space as well. I, I really like the, you know, what I call the data science modules that you have built in, in, in sort of like visioning how to adapt those to a K-12 audience, I think is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I think you can definitely see um, how we've evolved and sort of like it's always kind of a work in progress that we like to iterate on. And that's always the, uh, the model we've taken is that it's never really a finished product, but something that we can always get better at. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, and, it, and it's, uh, it's clear when you access the Callisto that there are many different institutions involved. There's many different ways to get on. Uh, you know, it's, it, it seems like an open open structure you know like it's a it's a framework that the many different people can plug into yeah definitely hope so um, and hope people see it that way as well great all right thanks byron this has been a great conversation yeah thank you very much thanks for reaching out to me and thanks for the opportunity to talk about it thanks for listening to today's podcast if you're interested in learning more about data science education resources, please subscribe to our Substack to get notified when we release any future podcasts. And join our community Slack channel through the link provided in this episode's description. Thank you.